Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Well, I'd like to start by telling a story and I need some great silent actors. Now, let me scan the room. Who is looking gullible? Um... The worship team, wonderful. Why don't we welcome the worship team to the platform? You guys can come and help me out here. Now, I'm going to tell you the story from Acts chapter 10. So, um, Dan, you can be Cornelius. And uh, Mike, you can be Peter. Do you want to go over the other side there? And uh, let's have Adabola as a soldier. And uh, you can be servant one. And you can be servant too. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Right, so what happens in Acts chapter 10? Let me just remind me who's that. That is Cornelius. So Cornelius is a Roman centurion. And he works and lives in the city of Caesarea, a coastal city in Israel. And this is about six or seven years after Jesus has risen from the dead. And so Cornelius is a well-known man, very well-respected, and one day he has a vision. And in the vision, a voice says, your prayers have been heard, Cornelius, and your gifts to the poor have also been noticed. Now go and send for a man called Simon Peter, who is staying in the town of Joppa, and he is at the home of Simon the Tanner. And so Cornelius comes out of this vision and and thinks, wow, that was really specific. And so he decides to send his trusted soldier and two of his servants to go and find Simon Peter. So can you guys gather around Cornelius and receive your vital instructions? Now, Peter, can you, Cornelius, sorry, can you tell them, can you sort of make it look like you're giving them instructions? This is a silent act, remember? Okay, yep, 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 that looks pretty convincing. Okay, so... Soldier and servants, if you could make your way around the hall, make your journey towards Joppa to find Simon Peter. So meanwhile, as they are traveling, Simon Peter also has a vision from God, an incredible vision. Am I God? No, okay. Um, (laughs) And in this vision, he sees a big sheet being lowered down from the sky, and in the sheet, there's all sorts of animals that as a Jew... Peter considered unclean. They weren't allowed to touch them or eat them. And he hears a voice saying, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And he says, no, God, I couldn't possibly do that. But here's the thing. He has this vision three times, three times. And then he comes out of the vision, and he hears the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to go downstairs. There's three people just arriving now at the house, and I want you to go with them without delay. And so enter the soldier and the two servants, and they come up, and they speak to Peter, and they tell him, you don't need to line up, you can sort of come around, yes. And so they tell him about their master, Cornelius, who's had this incredible vision, and Peter, of course, is thinking, wait a minute, I've had a vision too. And so they decide to take an incredible shortcut, which makes them arrive very quickly (laughs) back in Caesarea. And so here we find Peter doing something quite incredible. Peter, remember, is a Jew, but Cornelius and his servants and the soldier, they 
are Gentiles. In other words, they are non-Jews. People who were not Jews, the Jews regarded as Gentiles. And they were considered unclean. And so a Jew like Peter would never, ever go into the home of a Gentile. But because he's just had this vision over there where God says, don't consider something unclean that I have made clean, he realizes, wow, I have to meet these Gentiles for a reason. God's talking to me. And so he goes into the home of Cornelius. And it isn't just Cornelius and his two servants and the soldier, but actually there's a whole crowd of people that look just like you waiting. And they're waiting for this man, Simon Peter, to arrive. And so, Peter, you begin to share the vision that you've had, and then you share the vision and the story of Jesus as well. Remember, these people, they don't know the story of Jesus. This is six or seven years later in a distant town. Maybe Cornelius had heard that six or seven years ago, Jesus, a, a Jewish rabbi, had been crucified, but that's about all he may have possibly heard. But actually now, they're getting to hear the story of Jesus. And just as Peter is busy telling his story with great gesticular movements, yes, suddenly these people, they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they start praising the Lord and speaking in tongues. It's incredible. This moment suddenly is transformed and these people, they're born again. And in that moment, Peter says, these people need to be baptized. And so at the end of the service, as well as the six people we just heard, we're going to baptize you guys too. Is that all right? To complete the story. Right, can we give our actors a big hand? Thank you very much. So I tell that story from Acts chapter 10 because I could have read 48 verses, but I decided that you'd like me to tell you the story instead. But I do recommend that you go back and you read the whole story in Acts chapter 10. Now, I would imagine that when it comes to sharing your faith in Jesus, that probably most of you, you find it a little bit difficult. There's maybe a few of us here in the room that just feel like it's so natural to share your faith, but I would imagine for most of us, we find that a little bit tough. But actually, this good news of Jesus is worth sharing it's not just an option. If you know and love Jesus, you are commanded to share your faith. Go and make disciples of all nations. That was the, the commission, the command that Jesus gave to his disciples before he went back to be with his Father in heaven. And so we are in the middle of a series right now called Show and Tell, and it's all about this good news of Jesus that is worth sharing. And so today I'm talking about declaring the gospel. In other words, sharing your faith. When it comes to actually speaking words that communicate this hope, this love that you have for Jesus that we just heard our baptismal candidates express, that that is part of what you're called to do. That's part of what, how you're called to live, to share your faith in Jesus at every opportunity you get. And I want to use the story that I've just told you to show you how you can share your faith in two ways. Tell your story and tell his story. Tell your story and tell his story. Can you say that with me? Tell your story and tell his story. I'm deliberately trying to keep it to the basics today so that we don't overcomplicate 
what should be a very natural activity to talk about Jesus, to share our faith in Jesus, the very reason that our lives have been turned around. Now, of course, there are many reasons why we don't do it. Often, I'm guessing it's fear. Would anybody admit to that? Just not wanting to open your mouth because you're not sure of the response you're going to get. Sometimes, we just plain forget. We just sort of think afterwards, oh my gosh, I could have said something there. That would have been a perfect moment to share my faith. But we forget. So how is it that we can perhaps view it more simply, that out of the commitment and faith that we've made in Jesus, that we just naturally overflow and that we want to tell your story and tell his story. Tell your story and tell his story. Okay, so tell your story first. Now, Peter went with the soldier and the servants, remember, and he came to Cornelius' house. And when he arrived, he got the opportunity to tell his story first, to tell the story of how he came to have this weird vision of animals being lowered down in a sheet. And it was kind of odd. But that is the story that Peter chose to tell Cornelius and the gathered people. Peter, interestingly enough, didn't sort of go, well, Back in the day when I was a fisherman by the Sea of Galilee, this man came along and his name was Jesus. He didn't actually concentrate on that story right back at the beginning. He told them about something that had happened just the day before. And when it comes to telling your story, when it comes to sharing your faith and, and telling people how you came to follow Jesus, think about three things. Think about your past. Think about your present and think about your future. Now, your past story could be how you came to faith in Jesus. Maybe there was a significant moment, a defining moment, when sometime in the past you realized, Jesus, I need you, and you made a commitment to follow him. And that could have been a very specific moment, or maybe it was a gradual realization that you actually needed Jesus in your life, and you needed to put him first. Whatever your past story is, maybe think about what are the highlights in your past story of faith that you could be ready to share at any moment. Now, you're probably not going to get to share your whole story every time you get to share your faith. There might just be one small snippet, one little aspect of your past story. But while your past story is important, I actually believe that your present story is more compelling. Your present story is, how is God working in your life now. Now. What does Peter do? Peter tells the gathered people about his present story. He says, well, yesterday I had this crazy vision of animals being lowered down in a sheet and God saying that I wasn't to consider something unclean if he called it clean. He told his present story. What is your present story with Jesus? Are you ready to share your faith by telling your present story? What is God doing in your life right now? You see, the danger is if you concentrate on when you share your faith, always harking back to your past story, as wonderful as that may have been, it may cause people to think, well, maybe that was just a moment. But actually, you know and you believe that God is at work in your life right now. Where have you seen God's wonderful peace in the moment of great trauma? Where have you seen God's provision when there's been real needs? When have you seen God's healing when there was sickness or illness? Talk about your present story with Jesus. That's important. It might be something very simple, but it, but it opens someone's mind to realize, oh, 
they didn't just have some one-time moment with Jesus. They, their relationship with Jesus is living, and it's now. It's part of who they are. So talk about your present story, and talk about your future story. That, that this assurance that you have that because you've committed your life to follow Jesus, you're going to be living and reigning with him forever. You have an assurance that you'll be with him in eternity. You're not scared about your future and your future hopes and dreams. You're not scared about eternity because you know that you've put your trust in Jesus. So share your story. Don't get so caught up in thinking, I cannot open my mouth until I've got all the sort of main arguments of why people might not believe in God and might not understand Jesus. Don't wait for that. It's good to examine and to understand maybe some of the, the primary reasons why people might reject God or not understand God. Those are good to study and to understand. But can I encourage you? Focus very simply on telling your story. Tell your story. That's powerful. That's personal. It cannot be argued about because it's your experience. You know it's true. So tell it. Tell your story. Now, after Peter has shared this crazy vision that he's had, then Cornelius, of course, remember, Cornelius had also had a vision. So Cornelius shares his vision. Isn't it interesting that even before Peter got to the house, Cornelius had had this vision and God had spoken to him. I just want to highlight briefly there that when it comes to sharing your faith with others, God often works ahead of us. God often sorts it out so that somebody's already had some kind of experience or some kind of strange circumstance, something that's got their attention. And it's God. God's on their case. God's maybe talking to them in a dream or, or some kind of situation has engineered itself so that they think this couldn't just be natural, that there must be more to this. And, and their conscience is pricked or their, their sort of their curiosity is aroused and they think, is there more to life than just the grind of work? Maybe, maybe there is a God after all. You see, God chooses often to work on our behalf, to help us out, if you like, because he wants not to get the whole job done himself. He wants to partner with you. He wants to partner with you in sharing your faith in Jesus. And so Jesus seems to do part of the work for us. <laughs> and then we turn up and we get the opportunity to share our faith. And then we get to help take them further along. And so God can reveal himself even before you speak. So number one, tell your story. Secondly, tell his story. Tell the story of Jesus. So after we've heard about these two visions, what does Peter do? Peter then goes on to tell Cornelius and the gathered crowd about the story of Jesus. Now you can read the words for yourself in Acts chapter 10. But Peter covers three main things. He talks about Jesus' life, he talks about Jesus' death, and he talks about Jesus' resurrection. When you're telling his story, think about those three things, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. Is that nice and easy to remember? Life, death, and resurrection, when you're telling his story. Now, why is it important to tell the story of Jesus? I don't believe it's enough just to talk about the fact that you've experienced Jesus for yourself and that you love Jesus and that he's turned your life around, that's wonderful. And, and we need the example of how your life has been changed. But actually, help people understand 
who Jesus is and why he came. You see, gone are the days when people got sent as children to Sunday school. That's a bygone era. If you had that experience as a youngster, you're one of the last of a generation. That doesn't happen anymore. People don't learn Bible stories. They don't learn them in school, and most of them don't go to church. So we are living in a world now where the majority of people do not know who Jesus is. They, they know the name, and they probably know there's something to do with the cross, and they probably know maybe a little bit about a manger and three wise men, but that's about it. They don't know that Jesus healed. They don't know that Jesus cared for the poor and the marginalized and that he, he championed women. He, they, they don't know that actually he spent time praying. They don't know that he had a group of friends that he hung around with for three years and taught them. They don't know that many of the incredible statements that we have in our English language today are taken from words from the Bible. So tell about the life of Jesus. It might just be that in a moment, something comes to your mind, maybe a story that you know of Jesus. And that might be all you do. You just tell people, hey, do you, do you, have you ever heard about the story of when Jesus brought this young man back to life? No. Tell them the story. And that might be all you do, but you've sort of stirred something in their mind to think, oh, really? Is that, is that in the Bible? Is that what Jesus did? So talk about the life of Jesus. Talk about the death of Jesus. You know that the death of Jesus is more significant than just a good man who ended up being executed by the Romans. You know, as a follower of Jesus, that Jesus' death on the cross was incredibly significant. That when he died, as, as, as John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Jesus hanging on the cross was taking the sin of the whole world on himself. You understand the significance of his death. Talk about the death of Jesus. And then talk about the resurrection of Jesus, that very act on which our faith hangs. That act that makes our faith stand out among all others. God, who came in the flesh, who then died, but who then rose again. And we're talking about the life, death, and Jesus, of course, being not just make-believe stories, but Stories, in fact, that can be attested by incredible evidence. And so talk about the life and the death of Jesus. Tell his story. Tell his story. People love stories. People remember stories. Why? Because the sort of the details of a story somehow get lodged in our consciences. And the connection of those details and the emotions, they just cause them to be remembered. You know, it might be that in sharing your faith with someone, it might not even be someone you know. It may be a complete stranger. Yesterday, my wife Rachel just felt a prompt from God to go up and speak to a complete stranger. I didn't actually know what she was doing. We were out shopping, and she just said, I'll be back in a moment, and she dashed off. <laughs> and the Lord had just prompted her to go and speak to this woman and, and, had, a, and had, had, had a little opportunity to just so a very small seed of the gospel. Maybe God will give you an opportunity like that. And just that one small thing, maybe, maybe one of the stories of Jesus that you somehow get prompted to tell, that could be the trigger. That could be something that just continues to just gnaw away at the person until they start to explore for themselves. You see, when you share your faith, when you tell your story and when you tell his story, 
It's not necessarily your job to get the person from the very beginning to the very end. You need to consider the fact that it might just be God's part for you to play is just to take them a little bit further on the journey to come closer to Jesus. And he's going to use others. And he's going to divinely intervene in their dreams and in their situations and reveal himself. So, so let, let's take off the weight and the guilt of, oh my gosh, I've got to take this neighbor of mine from, you know, completely no faith, complete atheism to belief in Jesus. No, you may be part of the picture. So take off that kind of weight and guilt. So share your story, tell your story, and tell his story. You still with me? Okay, I want to finish with just a few thoughts on how you might lead someone to Jesus. Because it's wonderful to be part of the process of seeing someone come closer to God, for you get to tell your story and you get to tell his story. But what about if you get to a moment where you have the privilege of someone who's just ready, someone who's saying, okay, I think I believe that now, or I know I need Jesus in my life. Would you know how to lead someone to Jesus? So I want to just share with you a very simple tool that has been um, a bit of a guide for me over the years. It's not mine. It's something that's been used for decades in churches, and it's simply this. It's A, B, C. A, B, C. A stands for admit. Admit that you've sinned and that you need God to forgive you. B stands for believe. In other words, believe that Jesus really did die and rise again. And C stands for commit. Commit to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. Now, it sounds like a formula, which it kind of is, but I want to assure you, ABC is not a requirement. (laughs) If you read the Gospels, if you read the book of Acts, where you see people turn towards Jesus, uh, there was no rigid formula. In fact, there were many different ways in which people came to faith in Jesus. The incredible thing was, in the story I told you, they didn't even get led in a prayer. They didn't even openly repent, although that may have happened, but they, they just started praising God, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And actually, in that moment, it's interesting, isn't it, that what did Peter do? He said, let's get these people baptized. And so all of them were baptized in that moment. I think that's useful to point out that people can have an experience with God, a a very powerful experience. So people can have a powerful experience with God, but they need to make a powerful commitment to God. And so that might take the form of a prayer, which is what we usually do at the end of a service, and we'll do that in a few moments. But also, uh, baptism is also a step of commitment. So there is going to be some kind of commitment. That's the C, the ABC, the commit, okay? So although there's no rigid formula that we see in the Bible, we do see these elements in the Scriptures, the admitting that you're a sinner. You see many people admitted to the fact that they desperately needed God, that they were sorry for their sin. So admit. B for believe. You see people declaring their faith in Jesus and declaring that they believe he died and that he rose again. And then you see people committing. They commit to follow him all the days of their life and not to turn their backs on him. And so it may be that, you know, in an opportunity you have with a friend or 
a neighbor or a work colleague, you get the privilege of leading them to Jesus. I would suggest that you might want to lead them in a prayer. Now, you don't need to memorize a set prayer. <laughs> you can if you want, but my suggestion would be just have A, B, C in mind. And just use that as the framework for maybe the way that you would lead them in a prayer. It could go something like this. Jesus, I admit that I've sinned and that I need you to forgive me. I believe that you died and that you rose again. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. It could be as simple as that. Okay, so keep A, B, C in mind, maybe just for yourself as a framework of how you might lead someone to Jesus. I don't want to assume that today everyone here is a follower of Jesus. You've heard me talk today about what it's like to tell your story and to tell his story. Um, and, and that is the privilege that we get as followers of Jesus, to tell others about it. Maybe you're sitting here today and actually you'd say, well, Stephen, no, I'm not a Christian. Um, it's not a step I've taken before. I'd love to invite you, if you've been wondering about this for a while, maybe you're realizing, you know, there's got to be more to life than just trying to make it myself. I believe that having Jesus right at the center of your life is the best decision you'll ever make. Life will not just get easier, but you will know the presence of Jesus with you every single day. You heard it in the, the baptismal candidates earlier when they talked about just knowing that Jesus is with them. And you're going to have a real assurance that you'll live with him forever. Your eternity is secure. And actually, even the life that you have left in this earth, you can live with incredible, much greater purpose because you know Jesus is right in the center. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer now that has the elements of A, B, C in it, in fact. And if you'd like to pray that prayer for the first time, or maybe you realize, you know, I've been very distant from Jesus, and you need to make a fresh decision to follow him, then I'd love you to pray this prayer too. I wonder if we could have the words up on screen. This might be a moment where, in fact, I actually lead you in a prayer, <laughs> just to illustrate the point. Okay, let's say these words together. Jesus, I acknowledge that I have done wrong things and that my sin has separated me from you but I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Today, I ask for your forgiveness and thank you for your gift of new life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I choose relationship with you and I choose to live for you. Please come into my heart and change my life now and forevermore. Amen. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.